0: We really need to decolonize our mindset. You know your stuff, you're smart, you are passionate about the subject that
1: you're teaching, but at the same time, the same people you're trying to help don't see you. If this was just a white guy, like, would you have specified that?
2: Hi and welcome to Slice in Time with me, Linda, the host of WIDLIMS, what I didn't learn in medical school, a platform for discussing topics crucial to health which aren't taught, glossed over, or approached from the wrong angles in medicine and public discourse. You'll find me at WIDLIMS on social media. In today's episode, I'm joined by Aisha and Vishwani, who started Bay Medics at our university, which is a non-hierarchical group addressing Bay medical students' experiences. BAME is an acronym for Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic, which we do recognise is a problematic term and I've linked an essay explaining why in the show notes, along with some anti-racism resources which you can find at lindadoes.com. As you'll hear Rishwani say, none of us recording are black, and I personally benefit from white privilege. However, it is unlikely that we would have recorded this conversation at the point in time that we did, had it not been for the recent mainstream attention brought to the Black Lives Matter movement after the murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many more. Racism is prevalent globally and present in medicine. All lives can't matter until black lives do. I hope this episode provides you with some new perspectives and encourages you to reflect and unlearn. Uh, just to start off, if you could both introduce yourself and so the listeners know whose voice belongs to who.
1: Um, I'm Vishwani. I'm, uh, I'm going to start fifth year um, of medicine at Edinburgh this um, July, along with Aisha. We've uh, we are currently working to set up um, the Bay Medics group, um, and yeah, just trying to create a space where. We can all discuss race issues because um, we've realized that this is a whole, an hour in our lives at the med school right now. My name's Aisha. I'm also starting fifth year with
0: Vishwani in July. I'm good friends with Linda as well. I'm really, really excited to see the work that we do with Bain Medics and what you do with the with the podcast as well.
2: Thank you so much. We decided to focus a bit on talking about inequalities within medical school, medical education, and kind of beyond into the working force too. But then of course there's been racism in terms of like the history of medicine and on the individual and population group levels, which you know we've seen a lot with COVID as well. Do either of you want to comment on sort of how COVID has highlighted institutional racism?
1: yeah absolutely i think actually of course um you know the the black lives matter movement that has really taken over our social media feeds recently because of the death of george floyd which was a horrifying but not the only incident of you know police brutality racially charged police brutality in america of course there's that but there's also this kind of parallel that um you know, we've seen a disproportionate number of of um, people from minority ethnicities die, um, not just in the UK, but also in the States. And p- the supposed biological differences or the supposed um, prevalence of cardiovascular disease and and, you know, all the other reasons why minority ethnicity bodies are broken, <laughs> according to the literature, doesn't actually explain why this is happening. And and I think what it's forcing us in the UK to recognize is the fact that racism exists, the fact that prejudice exists, and to pretend um, that something that pervades our lives, our view, how we identify ourselves, how we how we stereotype other people, to pretend that that doesn't exist is is completely ridiculous. And the fact that you know, medicine tries to pretend that it it doesn't exist or that it doesn't affect doctors or healthcare practitioners is a problem. And actually, a lot of the literature that's coming out of COVID is showing us that, you know, diabetes or heart disease, environmental factors that perhaps are, you know, more prevalent in certain minority ethnicities aren't actually explaining why these people are dying more and I think it's forcing medical literature to really take a look in the mirror and and, and question um, just kind of grouping people according to these social categories that doesn't actually help patients.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, thank you for that. Someone had um, shared on BAME Medics an article by someone, I think she was called Angela Saini. Um, and she spoken exactly about that where you were talking about how it's sort of when you control for all other factors there's still some some missing explanation and I think she'd written it's not ra- a race that kills it's racism
1: yeah actually it was um so Yiga and I were listening to Angela Sine's Q&A last night um about the book that she'd written called Superior, which is about race science and debunking that. And it's honestly essential read. I think all doctors need to check that book out. So I'd actually asked a question to Angela Siani being like, on YouTube, by the way, this was all socially distanced. (laughs) Um, I'd been like, do you think the data coming out of COVID is kind of Emphasizing race science again, but just repackaged for the 21st century. And she 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 kind of agreed with that. And she cited this article that she'd written mm. about um, how medicine continues to group people according to these categories that don't necessarily make any sense. And as long as medicine continues to do that, you're going to keep, you know, doing your patients a disservice. It's it's funny because you know this article came out sort of at the end of May. And then in June, we have a paper, you know, from actually Edinburgh Academics that's literally doing what what Angela's paper says you should not do. Mm. Um, it's relating high prevalence of diabetes in minority ethnicities to their poor outcomes of COVID, which doesn't actually make sense because, you know, if diabetes causes poor outcomes in covid then how is ethnicity relevant exactly it doesn't doesn't really make sense it's almost like we're trying to like dig for these correlations just to somehow use the fact that people have ethnicity um, as a social construct just to use that in some way within medicine
2: and it's almost like blaming as well sort of saying like oh well this explains it all so it's not really our problem to fix it because it's explained by like these factors that Or out with our control or something like that definitely yeah Yeah,
1: absolutely the other funny thing is that like this article came out at the end of may and then a paper by um edinburgh academics came out literally like a week after and in the same journal in the lancet like (laughs) Yeah, honestly. And so it's almost like are you even reading <laughs> what you're publishing? They probably believe in you know the classic oh like everyone should have their say type of thing, freedom of expression whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's de- I don't think pe- I don't think some of these things are debatable and we need to have more responsibility in science if we're going to be looking at ethnicity stratified data. Like you need to define what ethnicity is, which is really hard to do.
2: So the focus is obviously to discuss things that aren't as drilled into us as some other topics are throughout our medical education. What do you sort of think is lacking that led you to form the society? I think
0: number one was just a platform for BAME people, BAME persons to speak freely about race and their experiences, because currently there's nothing of the sort. And the conversations that Vishwani and I had during the run up of the end of May the start of June were so meaningful to me because it was the first time I was talking about race candidly to someone who who got it, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it sort of led me to realize, well, actually, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with my current state of education, and I don't feel seen in my lectures. I don't feel seen in the patient bodies that we that we study. I just feel like I'm almost erased. How do you guys feel?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I guess I have sort of a different perspective because I also am not from the UK so um you know when you're not from a place you always feel like oh like being cast as the other is fine because you are the other if you get me Mm -hmm. so so you know it feels like you have less of a claim over being included if that makes sense so I guess I just didn't take it that seriously until I realized that you know part of the reason I'm in the UK is because sorry to bring this up but like my country of origin was robbed of everything so you know part of the reason i've ended up here is because i speak english Mm. because you know it makes sense to be here and that's that you know i speak english because of history and whatever and so you know yeah kind of feel like it makes sense for an indian person to be here and from my point of view the whole curriculum just needed needs to be decolonized you know of course I don't, as Asha said, like, I don't see myself in it, yeah, but also, it's not just, do I see myself in it, for me, it's also, is this the truth, is this reality, does this reflect what happened, because if we're just going to be learning things as if, oh, yeah, Europeans discovered everything, and (sighs) all of modern medicine was created by white people, and people that look like us didn't do anything. You know, I don't feel represented in that story. Mm. Um, and then I don't feel like I can take it f- forward. And, but, and the thing is, that's not true. Like, it's not true that, that Europeans created modern medicine. The whole world created it. And, and that needs to be recognized.
0: I feel the same way. I mean, I love medicine and I, I actively enjoy studying. I love learning about the conditions, but then coming faced with this nasty reality that we aren't being told the whole truth was so, so heartbreaking to me. Mm. To me, medicine is an escape from my everyday life, with every prejudice I face. And then to find out (laughs) the things I wrote learn aren't necessarily true and they're actively rooted in race science
2: really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And there are just so many things we don't question. Like for example, in the UK, how there's the algorithm for who gets what uh, anti-hypertensive medication Yes. and we're taught to give black people a different drug and without much explanation really um and then there's been sort of stories and explanations sort of circulating on social media to talk about it and it's just really mind-blowing although it shouldn't you know it should have been taught to us at the time I just believed it mm-hmm. blindly because it's in our textbooks and in our national guidelines so we don't really question it yes. exactly
1: yeah and you know you know what that propagates it propagates the idea that we are different it propagates Mm -hmm. the idea that people of different human beings of different um you know these this arbitrary way of grouping us socially based on how we apparently look that that is real that that has some kind of real basis, which means that the drugs we take work differently in our bodies. Mm. The pharmacokinetics or whatever is different because our bodies are fundamentally somehow different. And that's just a lie. And I don't understand why we just aren't told that. We aren't told that this isn't biological, that this is social like even just recognizing that without even talking about you know calcium channel blockers and questioning the guidelines which by the way I totally totally with you like needs to be questioned but just even acknowledging that actually you know we're all we're all practically the same
2: you know absolutely you got some data about what other students thought about the curriculum and How medicine is being taught uh, specifically at our university, of course, but I'm sure it could be applicable elsewhere. So, what were some of the main findings that you discovered that other people had not felt that they could talk about previously?
0: Definitely. So, our first question, we were just basically asking if currently do you feel like there's a a lack of BAME representation within the medical school experience? And we had an overwhelming majority who said yes. Um, And then Vishwani has organized the responses into would you like to go into that?
1: He, yeah, sure. Because I mean, I'm not a qualitative like data researcher in any way, so I kind of, kind of tried to group the responses by themes. Three major areas that came up related to curriculum, um, faculty, and I think platform. So curriculum was really about. It ranged from fairly obvious things like we need more patient cases that represent people from different backgrounds, you know, in terms of like skin conditions and how do you find, how do you actually diagnose things in different patients, which is like fairly obvious stuff, like have more representation in OSCEs and so on, and PBL cases. And then it ranged all the way to um, cultural competency and racial literacy and, and being sensitive towards people of different cultures knowing how to actually uh, talk to your patients and knowing how to um, empower yourself if you are a minority ethnicity or empower your, your colleagues who, who are minority ethnicities and how to actually deal with awkward situations or dangerous situations on the wards that are to do with racism. In terms of faculty, that's fairly obvious, like we need we need more representation etc but also we need more people in leadership positions who are actually uh, making these decisions and and i feel like that's really reflected in what's happening now and that we have dr Mohani gray on board with us uh well i mean she's already been working on this we're kind of late to the game in that sense like she's just already been working on decolonizing not just medicine at edinburgh but like the whole uni mm-hmm. um and and the fact that she's like on the year five board of examiners, um, you know, and and can actually very closely um, closely communicate with uh, David Cluth, you know, I feel like that that just shows that having people in those positions really helps because if she wasn't there, like I'm not sure how we would really be able to enact concrete change. Like we're writing a proposal right now. It really helps that she's there to just to be on our side and not gaslight us, et cetera. We also n- need racial literacy of the faculty because there's been incidences of, of like faculty being really insensitive to students, which is actually terrible for um, BAME um, attainment at medical school. It's been shown that in studies as well. And the last thing was platform. We need formal reporting systems and we need um, a space where we can talk about race issues, which I hope we can do with BAME medics, and then lastly, outreach, so we need more pre-university applicants um, feeling like they can come to Edinburgh and actually um, foster that kind of spirit here, because if you look at UCL med school, they're 50 percent BAME, so it's not like like BAME students aren't interested in medicine, you know, it's more that you go where you can see community. Aisha do you have any comments on that I think overall
0: I really like Vishwani's point about having Dr Gray on board and having someone who looks like us who's had a similar experience to us in a position of power because it's so reassuring and it's so nice to have someone that you can relate to if mm-hmm. you know what I mean because currently I don't really relate to any of the staff I don't relate to many of the teachers that I've had which in turn has led to sort of relationships which, as Vishwani said, is a key detriment
2: to sort of being attainment gap. And do you think that that lack of representation has caused either you personally or maybe friends that you know? Do you think it's caused them to sort of change their career goals, being like, oh well, I've never seen, I don't know, like a black orthopedic surgeon, and I I don't think yeah. that would fit in, like stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So I I did my orthopedics module this year and just as background I intercalated in anatomy so obviously I'm very interested in surgery orthopedics in particular but I I just I can't you know mm. the lack of representation and just the hostile environment with that sort of laddish rugby guy culture it's still there it's shocking mm, Yeah.
1: that's so true I'm I'm not I'm, I'm on the fence about like what specialty I want to go into etc but I'm interested in academic medicine I mean in academia it's it's so, so white, like it's so white, it's so, honestly, I mean, I feel like it's kind of like, you can't be what you can't see, so even if I, yeah, even if I do see women in -hmm. academia, they're usually not non-white, and if I see brown people in academia, they're usually men, so Mm. like, I'm not, I'm just not seeing people like me, it just makes me feel like, Well, I mean, I don't really think about it that much, if I'm honest, but I think it's made me realize that like in terms of seeking out mentorship opportunities and kind of, you know, those informal networks that you form, um, which are honestly integral to academia and the opportunities that you get offered and, and so on. So I've really felt like there's white men in our year or in med school or outside of that who really tend to kind of get on with with people who look like them who are in senior positions I mean it is it is a bit harder to form the same kind of like bent I guess <laughs> I don't know how to really explain that I also I don't know like is it because I'm just inept at like <laughs> connecting with people or is it is it actually because of the structural um, inequalities like I don't know especially because I'm actually like class-wise like very privileged so th- it's definitely not to do with that.
2: But then the system is also kind of upheld on people doubting themselves and doubting that it's an actual thing. Yeah I, I definitely agree.
0: Speaking from personal experience I've known Vishwani now for almost five years and she's not so sweet <laughs> so that's definitely not the issue. I, I, I definitely feel that as well. I just I can't relate to these people we come from different experiences we're fundamentally different people with different values and our ethos just don't align which is why I really feel like I'm struggling making these sort of informal uh, mentorships with
1: with doctors that I that I respect do you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like I exactly like wh- it's not like what we're, we're not like aliens you know like it's not like white people are aliens to us or or we're alien oh. to them, or whatever. It's just, you know, a structural thing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, if we have better cultural understanding and things like that, you know, it can be bridged. But also, if we have more people, if academia reflects the diversity that our population has, and this wouldn't really be that much of a problem, maybe. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I definitely felt that, particularly in intercalation, when I'm working with academics and scientists I was fortunate enough to work in a lab where everyone was female but I was the only brown person there which at times did feel a bit okay we can kind of relate but at the same time do you really see me if that makes sense especially in the field of developmental biology it's a lot of sort of big white men with big names in nature and uh, development the um the journal and I had some very negative experiences with them a lot of uh how would I say a lot of talking down to a lot of um, what's the word undermining very undermining I thought which is really really unfortunate because I was considering applying for academic foundation but now I'm I'm not too sure Mm,
2: yeah and just for people Mm. that are maybe not in the medical field that don't know what it is intercalation is just when we get to do I suppose another degree for a year um, and we get to choose different ones. And some of them are lab-based and some of them are quite different. Like I did English literature, for example. Brilliant. I was just wondering as well if you guys think there is a difference in terms of your experiences in preclinical versus clinical years. Well, that's actually a really, really like great point that you've brought up,
1: the whole preclinical-clinical mm-hmm. Um sorry Asha you were gonna
0: no no go for it it's fine
1: so again I'm just gonna like emphasize that I don't know if this is because I'm just foreign or if it's a race thing like I don't know but basically um like I remember in second year when we had introduction to clinical practice and we got placed in GPs in GP practices and stuff I really mm-hmm. felt I was just gonna suck it clinicals like in second in pre in preclinicals i felt afraid of clinicals because i felt like oh like maybe people here aren't going to accept me or i'm not going to be able to um be a good doctor because i don't understand i'm just like culturally incompetent here or something i know this is a total exaggeration but this is just how i felt um when i was 19 and Honestly, part of that is because the GP tutor we had kept calling me Vikram, which is a boy's name. God. And it's because she'd had like a brown boy like a couple years back in her tutorial group. And I just didn't feel, as Aisha says, I just didn't, I, that was like one time I didn't feel seen. And I didn't really, I really just wasn't myself. I think it made me not, not feel comfortable being myself. I think it just creates this kind of, This kind of feeling, and I just felt like my kind of um, white British peers were like really thriving just because they could just talk the way they wanted to, yeah. And I felt like I had to change in some way, but I couldn't figure out how. Just I was just I was just not feeling (laughs) that great about that experience, and it really set me up to not want to be afraid of clinicals. But once I was in clinicals, it's honestly been it's been pretty good. (laughs) yeah I've had a a really scarily
0: similar experience to my introduction to clinical practice ICP placement in second year as you Vishwani so it's definitely not because you're not from here that you're experiencing these things I think just generally there's so much subconscious racism within society Mm. within general practice in general is why we're feeling this way I definitely felt like I had to tone myself down in a way which is weird because I'm actually pretty ah, I'm pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and just constantly again being undermined I know I'm smart I know my facts I, I enjoy medicine I enjoy talking to patients but when you're constantly being told that you're doing something wrong or you need to do this differently it, it gets tiring mm. and again I would see like my white peers thriving in that environment but I always, I always have that sort of thought in my head like you don't belong here you're not going to fit in it's just it was a horrible experience for me in general However, once I got into clinical, it was a lot better. I felt more level-headed with the patients, with the doctors. It did get me more exposed to some like microaggressions within wards. So, you know, patients mm. asking from or telling me my English is very good. But FYI, I was mm. born and raised in Edinburgh. I'm ethnically Pakistani, if you didn't know. Um, I've spent my whole life here, which is just, <laughs> it's laughable to me, but it, it does take a toll on you. But at the same time, I've had yeah. consultants who have said some very choice things around me, and I'm just like, am I really invisible to you that you're making these comments?
2: Yeah, no, thank yeah. you guys for sharing those um, personal experiences. It just really shows how I don't know, it's like these people that we're surrounded by that are racist and saying these shitty things. If you don't intervene, they're gonna, you know, grow up um, and become the same sort of racist doctors. You both sent me this um, lecture by someone at UCL Medical School t- called Dr. Catherine Wolfe. Um, and she's talking oh, yes, about the ethnic attainment gap in medicine. Definitely. She was talking about the sort of the social learning environment, how that influences how well people perform. So I was wondering if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah, definitely. So
0: when we're talking about um, differential attainment, we're talking about the difference between the average attainment of white students versus black and minority ethnic groups. In um, my own personal experience, uh, just in ICP, for example, or in tutorials, I haven't felt empowered enough to, you know, speak freely or talk about my points because I feel like I'm wasting everyone else's time or I feel like my points aren't as valid as my other white peers. And I feel like the environment definitely propagates that with tutors specifically going to only white students when they ask questions or when
1: people cut me short, which is really really frustrating I don't know about you Vishwani how do you feel to be honest in um, clinicals I think my group has been quite diverse um, ethnically the particular group I'm in um, so it's been pretty good in that sense and I've also been with um, uh, white peers who are you know great allies um, Margarita is one of my best friends and I've had a good experience but. I will say that, you know, this whole idea as Aisha is saying about like your white peers thriving is absolutely true because um, I remember Margarita was telling me that she was with with someone who was um, Asian, I think. And basically the patient, the patient that they were speaking to just never looked at the Asian student, like just never made any eye contact. And that's happened with me. So I've been in like clinics where I'm, honestly i'm giving all the right answers i'm the one that's talking to the consultant or doctor whoever it is that is kind of asking us questions um i'm the one trying my like absolute hardest doing all the reading coming in just so that they look at me like so that i sustain their eye contact but it's happened to me where the other person i'm with was not really doing the same, but the conversation was still directed at them, basically. And it's actually taken a big toll on me to constantly be thinking about that um mm. in these conversations. So I've started to not think about it. I like consciously told myself, don't pay attention to this because it's not good for you. Definitely. And they're
0: there's such horrible thoughts to go through. You're sitting there, you know your stuff, you're smart, you are passionate about the subject that they're teaching. But at the same time, the same people you're trying to help. Don't see you, they actively ignore you. I definitely feel that. I had like a very similar experience, particularly in my orthopedic placement. Um, again, as I mentioned, I integrated anatomy. I know my anatomy, I got first, but at the same time, the surgeon would never direct his questions at me, patients would never really interact with me, as
2: they would with uh, my peers, and it really did take a toll. Did you have anything else maybe you wanted to bring up uh, in relation to Dr. Catherine Wolf's work and that sort of uh, presentation you sent me?
1: Her whole seminar is just fantastic. I think everyone should go through it and internalize it. You know, she talks about um, the, at- the the attainment gap amongst fame students. She brings up a lot of things and some of the most kind of shocking things is actually the the prejudice and and stereotyping that comes from the teachers who teach us. Um, Aisha, you wanna? Because you shared that one quote.
2: I'll be linking several resources in the show notes that we've mentioned and things that are just good in general for people that are interested in learning more. Which you should all be <laughs> if you're not already. Just get interested because this is important stuff. These type
1: that stereotyping from your teachers actually affects the teacher-student relationship, which which then, you know, further impacts other things. Definitely. So I've got
0: the quote here, and this is published by an article that Wolf wrote in 2008 for the BMJ. And the quote reads, some of these sweet little Asian girlies are very hard to get through. I'm quite a physically bigger sort of chap. Maybe it's another factor. I'm older. Obviously that's a factor. I'm male. I'm, they don't communicate terribly well, said by a white male teacher at UCL. I thought that was just so... So so shocking that someone felt the, I, I words can't describe it. It's really really grinded my gears, and to think that maybe some of the the relationships that I've formed within the faculty because I do I do seek mentorship wherever wherever I can in medicine, to think that someone might feel the same way about me is really really heartbreaking.
2: There are quite a lot of uh, in that presentation sort of similar quotes by other teachers or just other sort of prejudices they hold which obviously if if you have those internalized there's no way saying that that doesn't affect your teaching it just
0: it sort of reaffirms the thought that i have that there's no point in me trying to to form these relationships but at the same time i know that's not true i know i'm not the problem here people just need to grow up you know hold themselves accountable to the prejudices that they may have do you know what i mean Mm yeah for sure
1: also i just want to like actually talk about the fact that you know we're all talking about this because of the blm protests you know and none of us is even black Mm -hmm. we're kind of in this position right now to talk about this because of other people's suffering and other people's work and other people's efforts and i just wanted to recognize that i also want to recognize that i can't even say like the experiences that my black peers go through especially because you know at least there's some south asian representation definitely and now our student body but i there's so few um black students and it's just not actually representative of the of the uk population so i don't actually think it's um i think there's a lot going on at the kind of pre-entry level
0: definitely i think it's really important that we recognize this as well we we come from a place of privilege especially being South Asians when we, we do have a good representation or I at least I feel there's good representation of South Asians within medicine um, so we definitely can't speak for everyone's experience but that particular point about the pre-applicant level so I work as a tutor at an independent um, body that sort of offers academic uh, tutoring and mentoring uh, particularly for medicine and just on a class level it's it's unbelievable how much help wealthy particularly white kids get when it comes to that initial applicant phase whereas when i was applying all i had was an outreach program called leaps and i was lucky if i would ever get a a session with them because they're obviously in so high demand so there definitely needs to be some work done in the pre-applicant level in the in the application level admissions level Mm -hmm. to to address this issue
1: Yeah. And also, we're not even touching on the colorism aspect here, because um, Asha and I are fairly lighter skinned South Asians. So, you know, we're, I I actually have, uh, one of my friends actually told me how, when she was on the wards, because, because as I told you, when I was in preclinicals, I was kind of scared of going into clinical so i was asking her for advice um and she was like microaggressions might happen to you she told me about this one time when she she gave some tea to a patient or something and the patient said men don't don't like that the patient pointed to her skin (sighs) and the patient was like no men prefer that and then the patient pointed to the tea which supposedly was a lighter brown and this stuff happens for me to be getting this information from just another peer, rather than this being openly discussed. Mm. Um, mm. It's not cool. No, mm. it's frightening.
0: It's it's scary. Sometimes you feel like unsafe, especially when interacting with patients. And that that example that you just mentioned in particular, it's so so frightening. You know, you you enter the ward hoping to be useful, hoping to be of some help to someone who's in need of care. And that at the same time, these people who you're trying to offer your care to actively dislike you or are being prejudiced to you is so, so frightening. Mm.
1: This, is, this is really jogging my memory. So I was on my team placement. That's when you're kind of supporting the nursing staff and seeing how, how the ward is actually run, um, which, by the way, was a really eye-opening experience for me. And I, I, will, I have definitely learned things from it that, that will stay with me till I'm a doctor and make me a better doctor, That's et cetera. But this was this one thing that happened. And um, we were, we had to like fill out the the menus for patients. I saw that there's like a special section in the menu, which basically had like, quote unquote, ethnic food. And then one of the nursing staff was like, we had this one South Asian man here on the ward who ordered like from the special meals section. But then I saw him eating like food that's like outside of the special requirements in the canteen. Mm -hmm in my brain i'm just like okay and then and then nursing staff is like yeah honestly like why did he have to order from the special meal section and i was like well i mean clearly if you have defined to me that he is a south asian man if this was just a white guy like would you have specified that mm. you know we also had um a black patient and um there was like i don't know people were weird about kind of infection status and things like that mm. so i was I definitely saw how there is this prejudiced side to how the ward works. And I am not. I wouldn't be surprised if there are actually links between those kind of prejudiced behaviours and what's happening with COVID, honestly. I definitely had a similar experience to my team placement, which is really funny. I've had
0: experiences both with patients and with staff. So I remember one day um, for lunch, I brought in curry because I make a mean curry. What can I say <laughs> so i'm just sitting in the staff room and I, I like talking to the nurse i like talking to people and talking about their experiences but as soon as i brought my curry out and mind you it wasn't a smelly curry it's cholis, so it's a dry curry um i just got sort of flashbacks to primary school with people being like oh your fit's weird or you smell weird just like these little like school like things i was just like oh my goodness i can't believe i'm going through this right now as a 21 year mm. old woman Another experience that I had—it was uncomfortable. I made friends with an older white man on the ward who was, you know, just chilling out um, after his whatever his operation was, and we were just having a chat. And then blatantly, I of nowhere. He's like, "You know, I really hate racism. Racism is so bad." And I'm just like, "We're literally talking about trains. Why are we? Why are we talking about racism?" <laughs> Like, bless him. I mean, he could be delirious, he could just be old, but at the same time, it's just, you really thought you wanted to sort of cut this conversation short to
2: talk about how much you hate racism. What are some smaller, kind of more easily attainable goals that we're sort of asking for in bay Medics in the open letter and just in general, like some things you you think would help improve the system?
0: I think it definitely needs to be ingrained with our curriculum. So in fourth year, we go through a module called Clinical Communications. They're meant to help with sort of communication skills, dealing with patients, dealing with anger. I think it would be particularly relevant if we had a couple of uh, sessions talking about race not only on a sort of doctor to doctor level, but as a a patient and doctor level as well. We need to make others aware that these things exist and they they will happen, given the sort of current state of the world and how our Mm -hmm. white peers can support us and how our senior doctors in charge can support us. How do you feel, Vishwani?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think exactly like we need curriculum about BAME doctors, supporting BAME doctors and and clinical communications is a great place to incorporate that and then we also need stuff about how we can advocate for our patients um so i think hess the hess curriculum and preclinicals, is great for that but honestly this needs to pervade our medical education so when i say advocating for patients i mean kind of like how can we be more culturally sensitive to patients how can we not stereotype them how can we listen to them how can we not you know have um this kind of linguistic superiority complex where we listen to patients who speak English and don't take seriously the patients who Mm -hmm. don't. Training sensitive doctors. And honestly, this doesn't just apply to race or linguistic situations. I think this also applies to um, patients who are from the LGBT plus community because honestly, not really been taught (laughs) how to sensitively, how to have a sensitive consultation with let's say a trans patient. What kind of things do we need to be asking about what can we do to make uh, our patients more comfortable and feel empowered? Because like these are people who are like probably already prejudiced by society, and here they are entrusting their health, you know, entrusting us um, with their health. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to empower them, you yeah. know
2: sure. And yeah, so Hess is this module that we have in first year called Health Ethics and Society and probably differs from medical school to medical school. Um and these things shouldn't be like a one off because to be honest, like a lot of people maybe don't pay attention in the lecture and or if they don't care enough. Like it needs to be like you were saying, Aisha, I don't know, like training sessions that you have to go through and they need to be recurring as well. Session. And yeah, like you were saying as well, Vishwani, like in terms of so many other things that people are prejudiced in terms of gender sexuality race like all of that needs to be highlighted and taught and if you don't care enough in your free time to kind of read up on those things then you just don't really get them and i don't think that makes you you know a well rounded doctor even if you know everything about how to treat different diseases you, you can do so much yeah. harm
1: and also it's it's not even like knowing like detailed kind of academic ethics it's literally, like, how to know what this person's concerns are, how to communicate with them, how to make them feel safe and comfortable, you know? Like, those are very kind of, like, practical, like, things you can apply since since so many medics hate theoretical things from what yeah. I've understood.
0: Um, you know, sort of going on the point of talking about HESS. So the only sort of formal teaching that I've had throughout my whole time in medical school was a tutorial during Hess, talking about the prevalence of heart disease in South Asian communities. And just the whole organization of that tutorial and the environment of it was so, so hostile. And it brought so much room for sort of xenophobic comments, racist comments, casual racist comments, and no one was saying anything. It made me so uncomfortable. So if anyone who's listening from animal medical school, and if you still have this tutorial going on, please reevaluate how you deliver these tutorials and how the language that you use when you're talking about these patient populations because by the end of that tutorial i felt like i had a broken body i felt like there was something fundamentally wrong with me which i know is not true but that environment didn't help that at all it just propagated it on a similar mm-hmm. note uh Vishwani was talking about representation for lgbt uh, q plus people most of our assessment is through an mcq exam where you have sort of stereotypical histories um, about certain diseases and then you're meant to sort of guess which one's most fitting to that diagnosis. So far in my life, I've only ever had an LGBTQ plus person uh, in the context of a medical exam question having HIV or AIDS. The first time I ever mm-hmm. saw, um, I think it was a lesbian couple within a question was in a, in a tutorial which was independent from the medical school, from the formal teaching, I think it was run by the Surgical Society and it was just like a lesbian couple talking about how one uh one person's had a cold or something and i felt so so seen i was like oh my goodness hmm. this is so strange i i can't believe it's just these little things i've noticed that are just sort of taking a toll on me
2: yeah we're really good at stereotyping actually <laughs> um it's always you know like in infectious disease it's like if someone's from bangladesh you like basically you shouldn't even read the entire question stem you just put like tuberculosis and like people just get like that is so ingrained (laughs) literally like that's just you know it's
1: so bad it's honestly i feel like the medicine curriculum has taught me how to stereotype better like literally literally that's such a good point yeah it's really it's really dangerous it's just the language that they use is like very
0: very questionable and i completely agree with you linda when it comes to TV in particular, those stereotypical histories are terrible. Another terrible one that I can think of is like vitamin D deficiency and women who wear headscarves. Um, just FYI, non-Asian Muslim women exist. If you're if you are thinking about writing a stereotype, because currently it's always like a South Asian woman who wears a headscarf who doesn't leave the house and just got the Another one that I can think of is sarcoid as well, which makes me super uncomfortable. I read the comments in past bed. basically like a question bank that many medical students use. And in the comments, it, it's terrible. It's just like, oh, as soon as I saw a black woman in the stem, I knew it was sarcoid. I'm just like, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, literally. How can you use all these social factors to, like, assume all these things about people? It's mm. not, it's just, it's actually really bad. Now that you bring this up, yeah, medicine like teaches you how to
2: stereotype better and yeah. that does not make you a better doctor
1: it makes you great at doing well in exams
0: but it doesn't make you a good doctor mm.
2: yeah like of course it's important to like you know have a general area of like what diseases are endemic and what part of the world there are risk factors for things and it's good to be aware of those but just the way that it's drilled in to me like it's not even just like considering it as a risk factor it's like if you see a certain word you're kind of triggered and routed to like yeah. pick a certain answer
0: yeah <laughs> it's not great it's really not great to do well in medical school, you need to do well in memorizing the stereotypes, which is not great.
2: Because the podcast is called What I Didn't Learn in Medical School, I was wondering if you guys had like one opportunity to kind of influence all medical school curricula over the world and make sure that they included something in their teaching that would make people better doctors. What is like one thing that you would focus on? like respect people's ways of living, respect indigenous people's ways
1: of living, respect um, how things used to be. Don't just don't just have this one monolithic Western idea of what progress and health are. We really need to decolonize our mindset. I've got advice for general being babies who want to sort of apply to medical school or you
0: know are experiencing medical school right now don't ever let someone tell you that you're making it a race thing. it is a race thing you're not being angry you're not being difficult to work with you're just expressing your feelings and they're real and valid i'm so sorry that you're going to have to you're going to go through this at some point in your life where people are going to and tone police you or talk you down but just realize that there's other people like you out there who get it and who want to support you And if you currently feel like that, Edinburgh, please DM me. Um, My DMs are always open.
2: Where can people find you?
0: Um, Hit me up on IG, please. My username is Quresh, so Q-U-R-3-S-H. I also play bass in my jazz funk band called (laughs) KFC. We also run BAME Medics, which also has an Instagram. It's a bit more formal than my own personal Instagram, but still good content up in there.
2: Thank you guys so much again. It's been really valuable to have you on. I hope to see you back in real life soon
1: <laughs> after this is all over
2: <laughs> I mean the
1: pandemic <laughs> after racism is over i cured it
2: I am so grateful to Aisha and Vishwani for their time and their words their social media details can be found in the description and show notes on lyndadas.com you'll find resources mentioned in the show as well as several relating to the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racist work